Ready? Hello and welcome to Rhythm and Pixels, a video game music podcast. This is episode 33-9, and we're your hosts. My name is Rob Nichols. And I'm hungry. And every week we listen to great video game music from all consoles and all generations. You can keep eating. I, I'm going to do it on song breaks. Okay, that's good. That's actually better for everybody. That's right. You don't want the ASMR <laughs> over here. Yeah, we listen to great music from all consoles and all generations. We pick a topic, we pick some music, and we get into it. But every month, once a month, we do a live streamed episode for our Patreon members. So if you're a member of our Patreon at patreon.com slash rhythm and pixels, you get access to cool stuff, prequel episodes, stickers, mugs, t-shirts, but you also get access to a monthly live stream where Brunel and I record the episode just for you. And those episodes are all listener suggested music for a specific topic. That's right. Not necessarily suggested from Patreon members, but suggested from any of our listeners. Including testimonials. From you! From you! <laughs> from you! I don't know where that came from. That came out of my body. <laughs> from you! So, um, yeah, you have a bowl of veggies there. I have vegetables, and I, despite the fact that I did not go to the gym today, I'm sweating like I came out it of one. It is so hot outside. It's pretty rough. That should be our episode today. Hot music. That, that's, that, that, heck, that means that next week, because it's going to probably still be and hot. It's going to be rough, 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 rough. But, like... So like over like the a few days ago, actually it might have been yesterday. No, two days ago. It was two days ago. Um, I was in a garbage pail kids group of all things, a uh, social group, and someone kind of showed up in the group. Wait, of, this is online. This is online. I'm like this is like you, you you meet every week at like the VFW <laughs> to talk about garbage pail <laughs> kid cards, on. which is possible. <laughs> I would not doubt there's a place where people do that. But uh, in this group, um, hopefully it doesn't result in us losing some listeners. But uh, so someone decided to show up in the chat in a Garbage Pail Kid chat mm-hmm. and ask for non-woke opinions. Oh, oh, we can lose these listeners. Uh, garbage okay. Pail Kid cards. Now, despite aside from the fact that I hate the whole woke, non-woke, anything, that's just stupid. The fact that he felt the need to ask that in a Garbage Pail Kid group, mm. a group uh, where we talk about cars where kids get disemboweled or <laughs> shattered or like getting sick on the floor. Apparently, he had to ask that there. So, of course, everybody in the chat just kind of railed on him. Like, what the heck is wrong with you? We want to talk about garbage pill kid cards. One of those people actually messaged me. Lives like, yo, man, you're a pretty cool dude. We should chat. Okay. So we started talking. Oh, nice. And he learned I was trying my behind off to find Garbage Pill Kids at Walmart. Their <laughs> exclusive set at Walmart. Yeah. Which the moment I heard they were going to be at Walmart, I cringed because good luck finding anything at a Walmart uh, inventory-wise because oh, it's, it's, it's never just, really tracked. It's, it's just thrown around. How Pretty they, much. How do they make money? We never know. So I've gone to multiple Walmarts in the area, unable to find any. Like, I was in Baltimore for um, BitGen last weekend. On the way home, I stopped at a Walmart, hoping to find Garshville kick cards. So, turns out the guy was like, well, I got some extra ones from when I found them. I'll just sell them to you at cost. Of oh, the guy you were bonding with over, yeah. over the idiot. On the yeah. internet. On the internet. Oh, oh, in regards to the idiot. Yeah. 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 So, like, I was like, okay, sure. So, I rode up there and I met him today up in, like, near Philadelphia. Oh, okay. And I bought my cards and I came back, took a shower. And I'm like, yeah, I got garbage for kids. So, I'm going to be opening them up to see if I get any of the cool hits I was hoping to get. Nice. It's like a bunch of garbage for kids. Can I open cards. one? Of course, you can open a pack. Woo! Of I'm going to open a game. We all get a pack. <laughs> Everybody, we're going we're gonna to ASMR this. <laughs> Here we go. Shh. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha! <laughs> 
<laughs> I gotta bleep that later. <laughs> what the heck were you doing? <laughs> but like, but yeah, it was just kind of nice that we ended up becoming friends off of this situation where it's like, now we're like, we're basically friends. He lives in the area. He likes video games and all that stuff. He has a whole family scenario. So he's not a weirdo that I can tell. Um, Ooh. so oh my god, kind of cool. But like, don't panic. That's one of the Don't ones right panic. there. Don't panic. I love that. These are great. They're all based on books. Yeah. The theme is books. The theme. Oh, okay. I'm into it. Yeah. So, like, there's a couple cool ones in there, and I like that. Oh, like, the picture so of Dorian Gray, Decaying Dorian. That's <laughs> Oh, these are great. I th okay, they're still disgusting. Oh, they're garbage pail <laughs> kids. They're supposed to. Um, here's an android reading a book that says, I human. <laughs> That's cute. All right. Cool. Thank you for letting me open one. Oh, sure. Okay, now this one's a sticker. Can I use that? No, well, I mean, I if I get a duplicate, you can't. Okay, I'm not gonna mess with that. That's that's like that's that's overstepping. That's over the line. Unless I have a duplicate, in which case you can go nuts, rip all the stickers. Well, I'm glad that as a community, you just you you kind of tore into the guy who was like, "What's next, Critical Race Terry?" <laughs> Actually, I'd almost would like to see that garbage pail <laughs> yeah. kid card. Because I'm pretty sure like, it'd be like what, a kid like, racing. Like, like, what about garbage pail kids is gonna make up make someone like be like get upset? Like, I don't even. They're know. trying to control our wake up sheeple, garbage pail kids. <laughs> it, was, it made no sense to me. It, it hurt my brain. But I, in the I, end, it had a good who, result. Who here's got sheeple sherry? They want to trade with me. That's probably a card, actually. I bet you it is. But like, yeah. But I thought it'd be kind of funny to just like I'm gonna open some cars during the episode. Ugh. It's that thing I typically do during an episode. Like I'm gonna open garbage pail kids. I, I had, I had a small collection when I was much younger of garbage pail kids cards, and some of them literally turned my stomach. Really, and, and back I, then? Yeah, I, I just maybe it's just like, even this room right here. I can't even really look at. I mean, like, I, I mean, just, I, it's just like it was kind. Of, it was maybe it was almost too gross for me. Maybe I was just like a real uptight kid. No, there were some rough ones. Like yeah, uh, I admit, I feel like a lot of why I have a strong stomach is because I loved these cars as a kid. One of my favorite cars was a kid who shattered on the floor. Mm -hmm. And he was getting swept up with a dustpan. It was like That's blood and stuff everywhere. <laughs> blood and stuff everywhere. Oh my and God. everywhere. But I liked the card. John yeah. Pound was a great artist. But then he also had cool cars like Mars Attacks-based aliens mm -hmm. and just weird themes like a coffee cup that's pouring himself into a bowl. Like, just stuff <laughs> like that. No, sorry, it was a cut. His head was a coffee cup. And he was pouring himself into his neck. I like that. Like so, abstract art. Yeah, I like some of these too. That they're, 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 they're just clever. You yeah, know? there's a lot of really clever yeah, ones I out really there. I really like that. It's not always about the gross rub. <laughs> well, I mean, like now that the people, <laughs> the audience is like our age now. <laughs> oh, even back then, our age is you know in our mid twenties. Oh, yeah, of course, yeah. Young ends. Um. Anyway, so we want to. Uh, I mean, now that it's all finalized and it's all set in stone, we want to talk to you guys. You, the listener, that Rob and Purnell are going to be at Retro World Expo in Hartford, Connecticut at the end of this month. Trading Garbage Pail Kids. If you want, you can bring your Garbage Pail Kids. We'll trade them. We'll trade them. Whatever you got and he's got and whatever you got, you, you don't got and you trade them. Anyway, that, you know how trading works. <laughs> it's going to be uh, August 27th and August 28th in Hartford, Connecticut at the... Hartford, Connecticut, Hartford Center. There's a lot right? of Hartford going around. It's the Hartford, the Hartford Heart Transplant Center. The heart of Hartford. Yeah, the, it's it's a beautiful area, and so we're going to be there alongside Ed Wilson from the VG Embassy, Mike Levy, and Justin Bieber from XVGM Radio. Justin Schneider, just in time. <laughs> That's a garbage pill kid. It, is, it should be. It probably is. I know a guy who changed his name to Justin Time. That's a smart guy. 
Smart? Yes. Is that the word we're looking for? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's, a it's a clever name. I'm still considering changing my name to Thrillho. Uh, uh, I think we're, we're going to be at 3 p.m. in one of the, the halls. that uh, We're all going to be there on Saturday. And then immediately afterwards, uh, it's going to be the Robin Purnell Show and Friends. And it's going to be goofy as heck. We're it's probably going. We're going to do our official VGM battle because we'll have judges available to do it. We'll have to set really good. But we need. A, we need some topics. We need. We need um, categories for yeah. each round. Because I would. I would really like it to be a fair fight where it's like I come in there and I'm like, "It's the decisive battle from Final Fantasy," and you're like, "It's that song no one's ever heard of from a Sega CD game," and I should win <laughs> just just by virtue but of it being unheard. I'm saying more like apples to apples and not like apples to like <laughs> to dodecahedrons. Yeah, exactly. To uh, to uh, garbage pail kids. <laughs> They're so good. Uh, but anyway, so check us out there. It's also a really great expo. Um, I honestly liked too many games a little bit better because I feel like it's more. It's just got a lot more stuff going on, more bands. But with that said, I'm pretty sure we're going to get a room that has four walls. That's true. The <laughs> the the the, uh, the the space we did for our podcast at Too Many Games was right next to the arcade directly on the other side of a DDR machine, which is just, you know, irony, honestly. <laughs> uh, but you no, stepped all over me. No, I'll step all over you. Uh, but for this one, it's it's going to be pretty, it's, it's still pretty big. There's lots of great vendors. There's lots of great guests. And um, they, have a, they have a few musical acts, but it's mainly focused on the games and the guests and the, and the vendors. Um, they have, they have, do have a great arcade there. there. So it should be a good time. A lot of pinball. If you're into pinball, pinball beasts. If you're a pinball wizard. You're a pinball magician. Oh, also, also was pinball alchemist. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to convert this these points into more points. I want to change these pinballs to pinball gold. <laughs> um, all right, so this week we are going la one last time, one last time into the masters of VGM, the masters of VGM, your pantheon, your your um, Mount Rushmore of video game music. Your hall of musical heroes. Composers. The music makers. The ones who dream the dreams. The rump shakers. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. Rump shakers. Hopefully, we got some rump shakers on the show today. But we asked our listeners to bring out the rump shakers. And um, you guys came through. Oh, absolutely. This did. is cool. We're actually going to. Oh, never mind. It's a ways up. But maybe we could pull something off anyway. Where's Plessis, New York? Um, what what are we talking about, New York? So, Rage Cage might be able might be in our our area to an extent. Oh, okay, that's kind of cool. Yeah, I know that Connecticut and New York and like all of like New England is like one giant like mash. Like, Wait, when is Retro World again? Pizza thing. What? When is Retro World again? Twenty seventh, twenty eighth. Extend your trip by like a day and come to Hartford. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be great. Um, and we'll then, actually be up there. And by the time this episode comes out, if you're in Vegas, come say hi to your old pal Rob. <laughs> I'll be at the Mandalay Bay. Pull some levers. Run some slots. I'm not playing any games. <laughs> come on. Gotcha. Gotcha. Gotcha games. That's what. That's all it is. Um, let's get into some tunes. What do you say? I guess so. Come on. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, come on. <laughs> wicka, wicka, wow. I'll be your friend. <laughs> Let's get down to business. All right. Um, well, I got my first unique card. There we go. I'll take it. What's that? 
Hearing loss, Horton from Horton Hears a Hue. That is gross. I cannot look at that. It's not gross. That is disgusting. It's so accurate. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's. So, what is the episode number again? Uh, 33-9. You are going first. Oh, crap. Oh, man. I wasn't prepared for this. I was all, you know, I'm ready. Who am I kidding? I Um, know you're ready. I am definitely choosing this track as my first one because. This one has a special place in my heart, and I was amazed that someone actually submitted it to the show. So I was happy to get it. This came from listener Mike Myers, yes. and this comes from the game F0GX. Um, the track title is called Feel Our Pain, and it's composed by Hide Nori Shoji, Mike's master of VGM. Come on, feel the pain now. It's going to be real painful. It's true. Come. It, it's really true. It will burn.
<laughs> Here it comes. Welcome back. You're listening to Feel Our Pain from the game F-Zero GX, composed by Shoji Hidenori and submitted by listener and friend Mike Myers. So, he says, so, Shoji Hidenori worked for Sega, first in the AM2 team and then later for Yuga Gakuto Studio. He's 47 years old. His work has been featured in F-Zero GX, Super Monkey Ball, and Sonic and Sega All-Stars Racing, but he is most known as the music director for the entire Yakuza series. His, track, his tracks are guitar-centered, but full of synth-processed heavy metal solos to a dance music beat, which has really defined the feel of Yakuza. He said, here are a couple of highlights from his catalog, and we chose one of those two. But I will still say, I'll read from them both, but we only played the one track. Mm. He chose um, Feel Our Pain, which is the one you're listening to. He said, Feel Our Pain from f GX plays as you are doing full 180-degree rollovers and your racecraft hovering along on top of a cylinder, trying not to be flung off into the magma on one of those bumpy turns. And the other track he submitted was from Yakuza Kenzan, called Bale or Bali Kanla Mariposa. Yeah. Um, I won't describe it because if you didn't hear it, you won't know what the description is. But give it a listen later if you feel like it. So this track mm. is one of my favorite tracks, too. I listen to it all the time. That's good. Whether I'm listening to it at work because I want to get my energy levels up or I'm going 100 miles an hour on 95. Don't do that, everyone Don't, else. No, That's a Pernell no, only no, thing. No, maybe the turnpike, though. Yeah, no, I'm the turnpike. There's cops like crazy out there these <laughs> days. But like, it would, be, it would be like, for example, like I'm leaving, leaving MAGFest. It's like 4 in the morning. I have done that. Yeah. And I'm like trying to drive home from MAGFest at 4 a.m. I got to stay up. I want to get home quickly. I'm burning this track. I'm hitting 100 or 90 miles an hour because there's no cars in the road, and I'm hoping there are no cops present, but I am flying to this thing. It's a fast song, and I I do love the electronic edge to it. It's very cool. It's very, it is like very early 2000s sounding with like that synthesizer kind of like with the, um, with the cutoff going wah, 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 but like that guitar is like in just constant. And then I was like, I think something's going to change. You're like, yeah, I think the track hasn't looped yet. Then that guitar solo comes in. And also, the guitar solo is something else. The track that that he describes in the game, mm-hmm. it's so cool for this concept because you know the F- race, the race track, the race track. <laughs> yeah. You know, F Zero is pretty much futuristic space racing with anti like you know hover cars basically. So F Zero Jex kind of ramped that up. 
they had tracks that did weird things that the other games hadn't done up to this point. And this one was the prime candidate because the track is a cylinder. You can go all the way around it. Mm-hmm. And you're connected to it by, you know, because you're driving an anti-gravity car. But if you're going too fast and you hit a turn and you'll jump in the air and you'll lose your gravitational connection to the cylinder, oh. you'll just fly off into the space <laughs> and just drive into like, it's like a, ball, a vat of magma that's below the track. That's it's like you have to balance the steering, hitting jumps when you're not going too fast right before a turn to go flying off the side. That's awesome. It's t- intense. It's rigid- it ridiculously yeah, intense. I, I love, like, Wipeout in the Wipeout series were, were some of my favorite, favorite games all time, all time favorite games. And I thought I was pretty good at them. And it made me like, my, all my reflexes are great. I know how to do these turns. And then I saw what Wipeout, tur- I know what, uh, what F-Zero turned into. And I thought, oh my God, they they turned the speed all the way up. They jacked up. It's insane. It is crazy. I don't know, like just the the, 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 the practice and and the control you have to have to like to, to do excel at these games is something else. But, it's, of but course, it's amazing to watch. And a couple of that with the fact, I'm not sure if Wipeout did this too, but because I know Wipeout had the whole sharp turns, hit the corners, and start scraping off and dying off. Yeah. But F Zero upped the ante by having the whole you can use your health bar to boost your car. No, that was definitely F Zero only. Yeah, and the fact that you're like, okay, it's already I'm already in a tight spot. But I, can, I have just enough health to, uh, to boost up more. But if I hit anything, yeah. I'm going to blow up. Yeah, the um, the life bar and, and, and Wipeout, it, it, you definitely had weapons that you could use against each other. But for the most part, it was kind of hard to hit other players. Like, your life bar was there because you were going to hit you were gonna hit something. And, like, mm-hmm. that's when you were going to die. But then if you were an absolute pro, you're like, nah, I'm not hitting it. It was all, I mean, it, oh, man. Me and Ian used to get so into it. There's actually one weapon in, the, in all of the games where it's like a one-shot kill, but like it takes a while to power up. Mm-hmm. So you gotta be like really on your opponent. To I'm hit also it. assuming that if you hit a wall or something, it kind of disrupts it. Yeah, everything disrupts it. So it's like if you have anything to pull it off. If you're playing multiplayer and you pull it off, you just you just knock someone out of the game entirely, and it's just really sad. Mm-hmm. And so we would have to like, like, okay, you can't use this one weapon. <laughs> oh come on. We'd have to, yeah, because otherwise it's like house rule it. Yeah, because otherwise, if you knock them out of the race, then like they're not playing anymore, and that's no fun. So what happens if you get the weapon? You have to just burn it off. Yeah, burn it off. Yeah, yeah, drop it or something. Yeah, gotta stick with Mario Kart, I guess. Red yeah. shells for days. Red shells for days. Yeah, Mario Kart didn't care. Might <laughs> have a little bit more seriousness to it, but uh, yeah, definitely not Mario Kart. Right, I don't know. I've seen blood spill over Mario Kart. <laughs> that game ain't, that game is about as serious as it can get. That was some fun with my family uh, last week. All right, so. Okay, my first track is going to come from a late addition to the show. Gotta gotta include the it track from Electric Boogaloo. EB is bringing in music from Arkanoid Returns for the Sony PlayStation, composed by one of my favorites, Yak, a.k.a. Don't come back. (laughs) Yasuhisa Watanabe. This track is called In Open Order, again, from Arkanoid Returns, picked from our listener, Electric Boogaloo.
you're listening to music from the game Arkanoid Returns for the Sony PlayStation. This track is called In Open Order, composed by Yasuhisa Watanabe. Oh, this this part is awesome. Well, this is a slamming tune. Actually, it, on the hearing this opening section the second time on the loop, it feels like yeah, it feels heavier. You know, I love that. That's really good. It's really good. An interesting song. This was picked by Electric Boogaloo, and Electric Boogaloo says, "I figured I had to go with a yak track, haha, <laughs> yak tracks, for this thing as a very surprise. For this thing, as very surprising to me that as of this writing, not to find his name in the pantheon of legends, so it needed to get corrected. That's true. There's a lot of people picked for um, composers for Masters of EGM across all these podcasts, and Yasuhisa Watanabe was not included." Um, I could have gone with a song for one of my favorite soundtracks of all time, Elevator Action Returns, Ooh, another Returns game, or Border Down or Metal Black. Border Down is amazing. But I decided to go with this epic track from 1997's Arkanoid Returns as the entry in the series. Hmm. I haven't really played, but heard. Um, it, I heard it at... My gosh. Come on. <laughs> Come on, man. I haven't really played, but heard it had some awesome yak jams, so I went to at least check the music out, and it does not disappoint. This one seems like it plays near the end of the game, and it definitely shows. Like Elevator Action Returns uh, tracks Blow Up and Metal Black's Time, it does really give a sense of urgency and closeness to the end, or at least that's how I hear it. I get that. Like, especially this section here, the drums are kind of broken up. Mm-hmm. Actually, it's interesting. So two mm. things I want to point out here. It's like the first thing is that if you're, I mean, rather than Google it, since I can't EB is, no, oh no, no. <laughs> EB is right there in the chat and he's got the knowledge all up there. Um, what are some of the other games he's composed for? Um, let us know. Well, he actually just, uh, he mentioned them in testimonial. No, but I want to hear some more. Uh, some other ones besides like the best games ever. Yes. Yes. <laughs> but in addition to that, <laughs> um, I just think he, he'd be happy to know that your submission, that his submission came through and Rob was excitedly jumping on. He's like, no! He's like, I called dibs. It's mine. I was like, okay, okay, chill, chill. Yeah, I really okay. wanted it. I saw the composer. I saw Electric Boogaloo, and I thought, heck yes. It's going to be good. It's going to be real good. Like, you were excited about this trick. I was like, I was very shocked. I was like, okay, you can have it. You can have it. Don't break my legs. <laughs> um, it's cool. It's. I mean, it doesn't just have, like, a, like the, the driving beat with the sound. It's... There's all these different sounds coming in and coming out. Like right here. Yeah, there's the, there's a little flute sound that doesn't come back all the time. There's there's like a little like harp sound. Yeah, there's a weird like uh, a synth sound that goes woo. It's <laughs> it's really cool. Well, I'm fond of it. I think it's a good oh, track. And I love the, I love the snare drum right here. Sounds amazing. Here, one more time. That's a good snare drum. Come on. You don't have to convince me. I like it. I love that snare drum. Okay, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I got my fix. I got I got my fix. Thank you so much, EB, for uh, for submitting that track. I really appreciate it. Submitting some beast mode for yeah. you. All right, what you got? All right, so my next track comes from listener Martyrs, and admittedly is a bit of a spoiler for me, but I'm okay with that because this track is just that darn good. I don't even care. Um, this comes from the game Octopath Traveler. And the track is titled Daughter of the Dark God and is composed by Yasunori Nishiki.
Welcome back. You're listening to Daughter of the Dark God from the game Octopath Traveler, composed by Yasunori Nishiki, submitted by listener and friend Martyrus. So this one is interesting to me because I I would like to know more stuff this guy's composed for. Like, you ever come across... Oh, I see you named a game here that I'm going to definitely look for because it falls into my wheelhouse. But um, it's I like Octopath Traveler. I have trouble sticking with it and focusing, though. Mm. It's got this very slow vibe to it, but it's mechanically fantastic, beautiful music, mm. great sound, everything there is good. It's just something about it that makes me have to leave and constantly come back. But I would like to hear more of what this guy has composed. So I am glad that Martyr submitted this. And it also makes me think that I need to get off my butt and get back to this game because this track from what I remember, plays during the final hidden boss battle of the game. Mm. Like, after you've beaten all the chapters for all eight characters, you have to go back into the game and find, like, two side quests, and then through those, you'll navigate to, like, the true final boss of That's the game. a lot of playing. Oh, it's a That's massive a game. Lot. It's a massive game. But enough about what the heck I'm talking about. We're not here for that. We're here for what Martyrs had to say. And he says as such, this is one banger of a track, as one of the interviewees told me that he plays it to get his work done fast. It also got me interested in playing the game, though sadly, I don't think I'll finish it in time for the Summer Games Challenge this year. I know that feel, buddy. But we will still we can still count it. Just submit it anyway and just say I got X bar into it or whatever. Sure. I'm going to be doing that, trust me. Oh, yeah. I mean, especially for a game like this, where it's like, I got through oh, 100 hours or I got through 200 hours, still didn't finish. Like, it counts. It that freaking counts. counts. That's, that's, a, that's time of your life right exactly. there. Exactly. <laughs> Now, in regards to the composer, Yasunori Nishiki became a composer after graduating from the Tokyo College of Music, working first for Konami. He worked on various titles, such as Quiz Magic Academy and Pro Evolution Soccer. Under the name Vivian, he produced tracks for several video games, including woo, Poppin' Music Sunny Park. The track title was called Haitoku to Jaku no Epita. I gotta find the genre because that's you can't read the songs in that game. Only yeah, the yeah, yeah, the songs are in Japanese, but then like the the genre they make for the song is always in English. Yep. Yeah. He later left Konami to become a freelancer, working on anime and puppet shows. Hmm. Octopath Traveler was his first major soundtrack project. Another major soundtrack project was Yu-Gi-Oh! Master Duel. Oh, another game I want to get to. So much more I can say about him but I'm sure you have other submissions to the play. Enjoy and be safe out there. Mm. That was a great submission and great testimony. Yeah, fantastic. Great, great song. This is this is some heavy stuff. Mm-hmm. Like this is, I mean. This is the kind of stuff you want to get to have playing on a final boss. Like well, you want I mean, to have that tension build up. If this is something hidden in the game that you know you have to work towards, I'm so glad that it's a completely, it's completely new composition. Mm-hmm. Like this is a reward, right, for getting this far. Yes. Yeah, I like that. That's cool. It's not just gonna play the same like battle music again. This is this is something new. And given what I understand, yeah. cause I, I can't spoil it for anybody because I don't know what this is per se. But to my understanding, this is supposed to tie together eight narratives that otherwise have no connection. Hmm. So not only is it like this level of like the actual final boss, but it's that point where you go. This is why they're all connected. Because the whole game, I couldn't tell you why. They were just eight random travelers who decided to beat people up for each other. <laughs> that's because that's, that's what it really is. It's like, hey, I got to go save this village. Or I got to get vengeance on this guy who murdered my village. I'll beat up some dudes with you if you want. And then when the narrative puts happen, they don't come into play. It's just the main person for that story. Huh. But on the way there, oh, we're just jumping people. Just give me your money. And a whole... Just give me my money. It's an amazing concept to me. Like, just, okay, guys, I'll take it from here. You go sit in the corner. You right. got it. 
Let's do. Let's get down to business. Where's my? I, lo I love the style of this game. It's all still these 2D sprites and like in this very colorful 3D, 2D type world. It's a beautiful. It's game. really cool looking. And even though people a lot, I've seen a lot of people harp on the battle system for being like I guess like the battles are too lengthy and difficult. I like how they do the whole thing with like the weakness breakdowns. Like all the enemies have like these shield levels that you have to break down by hitting them with their weakness multiple times. And if you pull it off, they get like one or two turns where you can do like full blown damage to them. Mm. So it makes you really balance the type of attacks you're using. It's not just a matter of these are really powerful moves. It's more like I need dagger attacks because if I come across guys weak to daggers, I need to be able to not whittle them down. And they don't, I mean, there may be some guys later in the game that do this, but typically they have multiple weaknesses. So you're not like, I have to have a dagger guy only. It's usually, okay, one of these three weaknesses, I got something like that. In right, my it's inventory. encouraging you to, to, to play a lot of different styles in the game. So that, yeah, that's cool. I like that. But yeah, I can see, especially with like these, these, like these newer turn-based games where they're trying to make the, 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 the battle systems more complicated and more interesting, they can take a longer time to play through. And if, and if there's a lot of game, then um, that can really slow things down. Yes. Especially yes. if you don't have all the time in the world to play through a game like Octopath Traveler. <laughs> and that's why it's taking me so friggin' long to do. Like, I, I want to, but at this point, I have so many, like, RPGs I'm trying to work through. And again, I am including Shining Force 3 on my friggin' list. I don't care if I get through all three scenarios or not. If I get through one of them, I'm <laughs> counting it. It's a massive game. But I got that and the Trails games now. I'm still playing through, and there's like other like series like you know anthology type games I'm just forgetting right now. But I want to do. But more. there's so many of that one, and then more games in the series, and you're like, oh boy, it's a lot. Oh boy, there's imagine a lot. If these were around when we were teenagers. We actually had the time. I would have. I would have. My life would have been over. <laughs> my <laughs> life would have taken a different turn. And there we go. By the way, so EB did the digging while we were on the talks. The, the genre for that popping music song is Nightmare Metal. Okay, dude, does that ring a bell to you at all? Yes. I have played that track okay. before. I'm sure, yeah. Because it's Nightmare Metal. Of course I'm going to pick it. Well, that sounds interesting. To, that, that pertains to me. <laughs> I did that. They wrote that. that just for me. Welcome to Sunny Park. All right, our next track, we're going we're gonna to take things in a different direction. Very different direction. This is from the game Paradise Killer, composed by Barry Topping. This <laughs> love that name. I know, it's a great name. Uh, the track is called Sunset Song. This is uh, picked by our listener, Curly Kevin.
this track you chose. <laughs> it was on my nose. And one of us had to do it. <laughs> but Rob chose the tune and he guessed what it reminded him of. What is the track, Rob? Um, this is uh, I'll Be Watching You by the police. <laughs> <laughs> definitely inspired by. I Definitely inspired by. Now, this is the called Sunset Song from Paradise Killer, composed by Barry Topping. I love almost all the music. I mean, I, there hasn't been a track in this game that I haven't turned down. I know? agree. So good. This was picked by Curly Kevin. Curly Kevin says, um, you asked for it on the last Patreon episode, and you get it in this email. I love that. Uh, I like to provide great customer service in all my roles. Barry Topping is one of my suggestions for a master of video game music. He composed Paradise Killer and a Doom 2 mod called Thatcher's Tech Base that was released in September 2021. What? A Doom 2 mod in 2021? Well, I mean, you got to have something to play on your refrigerator or your toaster <laughs> or your car or your <laughs> toothbrush or whatever. At work. Uh, I will suggest tracks from both. And so I picked the one from Paradise Killer. Um, I want to give a shout out to Mike and Justin from XVGM for introducing me to a game when they introducing me to the game when they interviewed Barry Topping. I really enjoyed this game and the music is a big part of the game while you explore the island in first person view. I'm going to go back later this year and finish finding all the updated content, which lets you add new music to your soundtrack inventory. Fun fact, Barry Topping is a voice of one of the colorful cast members of the game. He also wrote the lyrics to the vocal songs. I love that. Uh, the singer's name is Fiona Lynch. If I remember correctly from that interview, Fiona sings at a bar down the road from where Barry lives, but you'll have to double check uh, since last time I heard the interview was well, early last year. That's cool. Um, I want to read this. Uh, Thatcher's Tech Base is a Doom 2 mod about former Prime Minister Margaret Thatcher ris <laughs> rising from the dead, and the player has to stop her in the United Kingdom. It is very different from Paradise Killer and shows the range he has. I have never played Doom 2, but this is interesting. I played a lot of Doom 2. Um, and this uh, is this the first time someone has suggested music from a video game mod? Um. Oh, is I know. It, is I know. This I, the first time someone suggested music from a video game. I mod. know. I've submitted a track from a video game mod. Or, have I have played it? I think I've. Game. I think I've turned them all down. I'm like, oh, no, no. We remember I did uh, tea Gone. time with Ellie from yeah, no. yeah, yeah. Sonic after the episode. Which, by the way, I'm asking. I found Would a, you call Mega Man Unlimited a mod? There's been some Mega Man mods. Yeah, fan game. And also rock and roll. Mega Man rock and roll. So a little bit, a little bit, but a Doom Two mod to have its original music is also pretty cool. So. Um, yeah, very cool, very cool suggestion. Very, very good pick. We're going to use this as a backing track for our next uh, item of business, which is Board Game Beats with Purnell, where Purnell plays board games, comes back to talk about them. <laughs> Ramble Damble Station. All right, Purnell, what you got? What? what, uh, what wow, it looks like it's already been opened. Oh, yeah, I actually played this game. Excellent. I'm not going to talk about a game played, Rob. Well, I know, but sometimes like you played the game, and then you went and bought it, and it's still all shrink-wrapped with the time <laughs> well, that you has happened. Yeah, yeah. But in the case, this is called Overboss, a boss monster adventure. So if you've heard of the game Boss Monster, which is like a card game yeah. from over the years, this is a game by those people. Um, it is essentially a game where you're trying to design an overworld. Think like the Legend of Zelda overworld. You're trying to build one from the ground up. By taking from a series of, like, uh, there's like a total of like 11 or 12 different tile types in the game. And of those, you take five of them. And then the corresponding monsters that grow on them. And they go out into like a shuffle deck and a market where it's a terrain tile coupled with a monster that get drawn up at random. Mm. On your turn, you have to pretty much draft one of those and place it onto your overworld board. 
And depending on the type of tile you play, it has placement rules that determines how you get points for it. Like, for example, if you play a desert tile, you want to place desert tiles next to desert tiles. And depending on how many of them you have connected, that's how many points it's worth. Mm -hmm. A castle is straight up worth two points. But if you can put the actual vampire monster that's associated with it on top, it's worth four points. And there's like one like Cloud City where you get minus one point for every type of terrain that is different that is next to it. So it kind of forces you to choose how you want to play the game and how you want to play your tiles down there, score most effectively. Mm. And then the monsters can score bonuses based on like if they're horizontal or vertically connected to each other. It's a surprisingly simple game that will still mess with you from a form of choices mm -hmm. because you'll find yourself thinking, well, I have to take this tile, but I don't want that monster. So can I do something with it in order to justify taking the tile to get the most points? And if you want to play harder versions of the game or more advanced ones, you can choose an actual boss monster to be the boss of your overworld. And oh, that gives cool. you benefits and bonuses to how you can score points and that's oh. the effect of other players. So what what um, makes this game click for you so much you want to talk about it on the show? Is, is it the theme? Well, the is theme it, is a big part yeah. because it's like, again, it even fits our show to the letter because it's meant to be based like if the theming is related to 16-bit yeah. or like sort of like upscale 8-bit graphics, I yeah, would yeah, say. Yeah, it's yeah. not it's quite 16-bit. Uh, it looks a little bit like Zelda-ish kind of fun graphics there, yeah. And like I also enjoy the fact that Again, it's a simple game. Literally, you usually choose a, a combination of tiles and place them on your board. Not much more than that. But I like when games are simple to explain, but the choices still feel agonizing enough mm -hmm. that you feel like you're doing some thinking while you play. Because yeah. you know me, I like to play rough games. These are make, make my head hurt when I'm done. And a lot of people don't like to get down with that. Yeah, yeah. So to be able to find a game that's smooth and easy to explain, but also makes me think a bit. That's what I'm down for. Yeah, I, can, I, I, I do. That. I do like that too. Where it's it's very simple to learn. It seems simple on the surface, but then you're presented with choices, and the player choices are very difficult to make. And then suddenly, like that's where it's like, oh, very thoughtful design. Mm -hmm. I like that. The game doesn't have to be considered quote unquote difficult to yeah. make you feel like you're actually putting your brain to work while you enjoy yourself playing. Absolutely. And this game definitely hits that in spades. It can be as simple or as complicated as you want it to be. Uh, one of the big games of last year, or rather, yeah, of last year was Cascadia. It won actually the Spiel de Jar, which is like a really big award in like Germany for board games. This game is compared very much to that on a number of levels. Oh, wow. And I do feel like they're different enough that I'm okay with having this while another friend has Cascadia. <laughs> uh, well, I should bring that over next time we play because that seems like something we would, be, we would get into. Oh, I'd absolutely, I'd absolutely do that because, it, again, it is a solid game. Mm -hmm. And I feel like people who listen to the show like video games that have been like kind of tiptoeing around the idea of maybe playing a board game i feel like this might be a good step in that direction to give it a shot because again it's all vibed around like you know video game graphics mm -hmm. a lot of their games are like that actually where they do like use like video game graphics to present the product yeah uh and the rules are not too complicated so you don't have to sit there and feel like you're burning your brain reading a manual it's literally like a, pay, a booklet that has like fun dialogue where the bosses are explaining the rules to you and telling you what the tiles can do. It's a really easy learn. I like that. So what, what would you say age group it would kind of go towards? Well, I'm not going to say it. The game will tell me that. <laughs> um, the game claims ages eight and up, and eight. I could totally see that. I could see that, too. I, I mean, I mean, I, that feels about right to me for what you described. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's important, too, because like you know a lot of people have families and, like, are they going to get a game that everybody could play? Or are they getting a game that only the adults are going to understand? So that, that's pretty good. Eight and up, you know, maybe a smart seven-year-old. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Get them in there. That have some fun. Yeah, totally. 
but I definitely feel like this is a game. Also, the organizer in this thing is fantastic. It's like a oh. nice plastic tray. There's having a box organized well. I can't. can't. Like, chef's yes, kiss. it's like it doesn't have to be so complicated. I just don't want my cards flying everywhere. I want to be able to to, to put it on a shelf without everything falling out. And that's I, what this is. It has yeah. a lid and everything. It's great. Uh, that's that's fantastic stuff. Um, all right. So, what is your next pick then? Okay, because this, think comes, that was, this comes from the board right game now. Overboss. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But I am going to take a second because I got to actually get my head in the game because I was talking about board games. Now I got to find my sheet. Here we go. Found my jam. This comes from Cam Leonard, which is funny because I'm going to use it because he says it, aka the Trash King. His track is from the game Pyre, which I've actually never played, but I'm a little familiar with. Mm. It's like something like a, a like a soccer type game or something that you're playing in it, but it's got it's supposed to have like a meaty narrative. Um, and it's called Never to Return, and it's composed by Darren Korb with vocals by Ashley Barrett. Never to return 
Welcome back. You are listening to Never to Return from the game Pyre, composed by Darren Corb with vocals by Ashley Barrett. This was submitted by Cam Leonard, a.k.a. The Trash King, and this is what he had to say about that. I want to submit my personal pick for Absolute Master of VGM for Patreon this month, and that being Darren Korb. He is the music director and composer for all of Supergiant Games, my personal favorite game company, and his work is nothing short of consistent masterpieces. There are no times in any of his soundtracks where I'm bored or unaware of his music. As a matter of fact, his music is the first thing I learned about these games back when Bastion first came out. If Spotify's yearly metrics were a thing in 2011, it would have put Bastion's soundtrack at the very top of my most listened to music. I was obsessed. And the thing is, I was listening to that soundtrack for months before I even got the game. The soundtrack was actually why I got the game, which I think is about as strong a reason to be considered a master of video game music as any. I want to provide my favorites of his track so far from the games I've played, though I still haven't gotten around the transistor, and provide a short testimony. And of course, I'm going to read the one for the track I selected, mm. being Pyre. I'm currently playing Pyre and having a blast. I just reached the part where you first hear this song, and dang, it makes that encounter have so much power. I don't want to get into the weeds about the details, but the gameplay is basically a fantasy version of what I understand rugby to be. And each time you face another team, you usually hear their theme, all of which rule. But at this specific type of encounter, you're achieving the stated plot goals for the game, and this song plays over it, and God, it's gorgeous. All the other matches are tense in their own way, but the vocals and the melancholy guitars, melancholy guitar, make this such an emotional moment for the game. Cannot wait to continue hearing this and everything else this awesome game has to offer. I, shoot. I'm on that board too. Like, this it's great. He's got a sound, man. Like it's a very like it's folky but very deep sound. It's and, very cool. And it's funny he mentions Bastion because mm-hmm. that was the first time I heard of any of his music too. Mm-hmm. And driving home from work, I was bopping Spike on a rail from Bastion because the moment I saw his testimonial, Bastion immediately came back to mind. And that song is the one I think about when I think of Bastion on onto the letter. It's so good. Um, there's a, uh, a postscript to the uh, to the testimonials here um, from Cam Leonard. Uh, it says, P.S. You're welcome, Rob, for being the person who finally suggested a song good enough to incentivize you to play Spirit Fair since you picked it up the week after I submitted my track for that month's Patreon episode. Haha, that game is perfect. And I'm so glad you enjoyed it, too. I am playing it twice. You're playing it again? Um, yeah, we've played through it, and now we pick it up every once in a while. Cause it's, it's joined Final Fantasy X on the Pantheon. Yeah, I just want to visit those characters again. And we're like, well, now we're here. We can do all the 100% stuff. Hey, Trash King. It's good. You, 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 you should appreciate that. Rob and his wife have played Final Fantasy X ad nauseum since, like, 2005. I'm not even making that up. No. It's been about that long, and, and this the apparently HD remaster has, did, did a lot for our marriage. Yeah, and they play <laughs> it because it makes them. It's like a comfort game for them. Yeah, yeah. And this has apparently joined the list of comfort games. That is of two, two games. Yeah, it's up there. It's yeah, Chrono Cross. I was I was gonna say it was up there. I've been playing it again, and it's like, oh, that's right. Uh, it was fun, but but it ain't comfort. Doesn't hold up. Um, Final Fantasy X holds up. Final Fantasy X absolutely holds up. Um, You're a cum. Dad. Yeah, I know. I love it. I love it. I don't care. <laughs> that line is great, though. Uh, <laughs> Spirit Fair is gorgeous, start to finish, and um, just so emotional. And um, 
an emotional in a way I wasn't I was wasn't expecting it to to be like successfully that make me feel that emotional. So um, I really recommend people check it out. It's very easy platforming. It's fun crafting and exploring and um, and just you know on your way to death. It's but, fantastic. But what I have the only thing I can add to it is like if you're like me, you have to come into it knowing it's a slow experience. You're it's not going. Very, you're not ramped up. You're not revving anything. Yeah, you you wanna. It's gonna give you goals in the game to work towards. You wanna work towards them. Otherwise, you're gonna stall, because otherwise you're just gonna float around. Then it's fun for a while, but like you wanna work towards what it's giving you mm-hmm. in order to keep the stories moving along. Because once 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 you're performing the tasks that it wants you to, it, it gives you more of the of the characters. And, and and their backgrounds. I've talked enough about Spirit Fair on the show. Though I guess you better, it's, we got it's great. We got a topic suggested. We'll be adding this to the list. What for game, martyrs comfort games? Comfort games, games that made Rob cry, <laughs> which there are plenty. Final <laughs> Fantasy X is still one of Solar Sanctuary's best Final Fantasy games. Personally, hey, I'm not knocking it. Like deep down, I feel like the only Final Fantasy game I played, not including the online ones, because I didn't bother those at all. That I was just like, this is just not for me. Is Final Fantasy VIII, and deep down, I still can find ways in that game where that game still has positive pits, bits to it. Mm-hmm. I've never played a Final Fantasy game where I couldn't find anything positive in it. But my favorite, despite having played so many, is still a toss-up toss between four and six. But after all these years, I think it's six. Oh, really? I think six takes I it. I thought you were going to say nine. Now, nine was a return to form, and I like a lot of what it had to offer. I really liked how you learn new skills mm-hmm. by equipping armor and being forced to fight with it for a while. Because sometimes you get some janky weapons, but you're like, well, I want that skill badly enough. I'll suck it up and fight with lower damage output. Um, I think acquiring Excalibur 2 is one of the stupidest things I've ever seen in the game, but people have pulled it off. Are you familiar with Excalibur 2? Not uh, people talking about it. it no. Yeah, on the playground. <laughs> I don't remember the exact amount of time, but it's something stupid low, like getting to the very last dungeon in Final Fantasy IX in like nine hours or something. Oh, so like it's it's crazy. The 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 the, the conditions to earn it is a little high. Yeah, it's like you get to the end, get this cool weapon. Like, what's the <laughs> point? It took me nine hours to get here. Yeah, that that's something else. Um, I yeah, I really enjoyed eight when I played it when I was younger. Like mm-hmm. when it when it came out, you know, I, I enjoyed. It. I didn't finish it mainly because. The battle systems really encouraged you to use summons a lot, mm-hmm. and the summons were very slow, and the animations had to go through 100% every time. And then you had to boost, 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 boost. Yeah, yeah there's, there's a lot going on, so that kept me from being like, you know, I'm not enjoying playing through the game anymore, but I really liked the characters and the story up to that point, so but I got pretty far. And that's kind of where I was with it, too. Like, despite as much as everybody likes to make fun of Squall, I actually was okay with the characters in the game. Yeah. I liked the characters. And I do make fun of the whole all amnesiac, you know, nursery kids. But even still, I liked how that all played out. I just couldn't deal with the whole summoning thing. I liked, I hated that when I junctioned, I would want to hoard the spells I know. because the spells determine how powerful your junction setup was. So yeah, hang on to them. I do. I mean, I just I felt like he was Squall was like the angsty teenager, and like yeah, that's just teenagers are angsty. They're like that. That's like, how it was written. Yeah, that's how it was written. So because like, like, people will give, give Titus that kind of stuff too, or Titus, however you want to say it. We're not going down that route. Where uh, they'll say Titus, Titus. <laughs> uh, how they'll they'll knock him for me like this, like yeah. like this spoiled kid. I'm like, but he is a spoiled kid. Yeah, I, I mean, a lot of the game revolves around him. You play as Titus, but. 
I mean, the the story is is mainly about Yuna, and I feel like her character is is a lot less cheesy, and it's a lot more tragic and, and interesting. So, yeah. Um, yeah, people should play that game. It's a great game. Also, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but there's another scene where, as much as people mock him, like it's supposed to sound like an awkward laugh. Yeah, they're forcing it. They're forcing it. The whole thing is forced because of what they know is going to happen. Um, all right. So my last track, um, where's that? Okay, it's coming from our listener uh, and Patreon member, uh, Kristen, GameFan44. This is from the game Tunic, which I haven't played yet. Um, I think it's coming out soon on the PlayStation 4, so I'll be picking it up then. I do have, st- love it. I do have Steam hooked up on my, my, my computer, but the, the, the ease of just turning on the PlayStation 4 and playing a game is nice. Which ease? Ease 4? Seven, eight. Uh, ease tunic, circle of the moon. <laughs> oh no! Uh, the track is by one of my favorite composers, Life Formed, alongside Janice Kwan. The track is called Redwood Colonnade.
Um, you're listening to Redwood Colonnade from the game Tunic, composed by Life Formed alongside Janice Kwan. And Life Formed did the music to Dust Force. And so it's a very, not a heavy, but like a, a very saturated electronic sound. Lots of arpeggiated keyboards and huge sweeping pads and waves of chords. Really gorgeous. And it sounds like Janice Kwan really brought in a lot more instrumentation with piano and flute and violin to the soundtrack of Tunic. And it's just gorgeous. The whole thing is beautiful. I can't wait to get started playing this game. This is submitted by GameFan44, Kristen. And she says, for my pick of a master of EGM, I think I would have to go with Life Formed. The song I recommend is Redwood Colonnade from Tunic. Or is there another song you would like to play from them? Go for it. <laughs> <laughs> She's very easygoing. And that's our test. That, maybe that wasn't so much of a testimonial as much as just an email. But um, but I read it out on it the lets show. You know. And here you go. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I love this. I, I really wanted to play whatever you, you picked from Tunic because I just want to hear more from the game. It's just good stuff. I got to say, one thing I like about this episode for the most part is that it emphasizes a lot of what I did with my one of my final picks on the episode we did where it was like here's a composer that hasn't been around since the 90s yeah this composer has been around since maybe the 2010s but their breadth of work is fantastic mm. i love their work and i believe they deserve a place because it's not always about just how much you've done it's the quality of the work you've done. Yeah. Obviously, there's something to be said about no, having maybe, consistency in volume. Maybe not like the volume of work they've done, but like uh, they didn't have to be there from the beginning. You know? Yes. Yeah. Like there's a lot of like, modern composers, modern composers being like in the last 20 years even that are just amazing, doing amazing work. Even in the last 10 years. Yes. Yeah. And life formed. This. Life formed. One of them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's fun to discover them too, because you're like, here's my new one. What other games have they done? Because I'm going to buy them all. It's just—it's yeah. a good vibe. That's the other part of it too. When a composer is new enough, you can keep up. You could actually get all of their stuff. Yeah, and experience it. And there might have, be a new game you've never played before that's coming out soon with a soundtrack by that artist, and you're like, that's something new to get excited for. I look forward to yeah, it. Yeah, that's that's really cool. I mean, there is also some excitement of discovering, you know, classic games that maybe you've never heard of before. Oh, yeah. That, that, that the composer worked on. But um, that's an interesting thing to discuss, too. Like, and this will be quick, because I don't want to take us too far, of course. If you're into social gaming like I am, one of the big things that becomes a challenge sometimes is having the same pe- having multiple people play the same game you're playing, especially if you're digging through the catalogs of the already existing titles, unless you've discussed it in advance that you're going to coordinate on a title. But... When one of the perks, even though people tend to hate on the cult of the new groups, one of the perks to that is that if a game is being anticipated as coming out soon, everyone's collectively anticipating this game's release because you're all going to have access to it at the same time for the first time, unless there's a money thing and all, which is totally understandable. But you can at least anticipate it together, potentially acquire it together, and then all be playing it around the same time. It's the easiest way to coordinate you know, gameplay. Just, it's coming. I want it now. Let's get down to business. Let's all play it together. But when it's like, hey, I want to play this game from 1998, it's a lot harder to get people on board to say, oh, yeah, I'm going to play that too. Or I'm also coincidentally playing the same game. Like when Cameron Wormus said yeah. he was playing a Lundra when I was playing a Lundra, that was uncanny. Yeah, that was that. That was like the, the stars aligned. How did that even happen? I don't even know, but I was floored when that <laughs> happened. He's like, I'm also playing a Lundra Pernell. Like, the heck? Yeah, Thousands of yeah, games. And neither of you were talking about it, right? It yeah, just, yeah, it just coincidentally, it was just coincidental that he was playing it at the same time. Million to one mm-hmm. odds. 
Should have played the lottery that day. A million to one. It's what we like to call the bonus round. <laughs> million to one bonus round odds. <laughs> Five will get you 20. 100 will get you 1,000. <laughs> Roll them up. Roll the dice. Roll the dice. Let's see who's got a winner. We got a winner. <laughs> Sold. <laughs> no. um, we're all winners. The bonus round is where we where we play covers and arrangements and remixes on our theme. And I think we had a number of bonus round picks come in from our listeners. Actually, I actually kind of went a little off on this, and I hope he forgives me for doing so. Oh, that's right. You sent me something and I forgot to get it. Anyway, I'm pulling it up now. Go for it. I love how you forgot, but you outright said to me, it's like, I got it. I'm Man, on it. I wasn't in front of my computer. <laughs> so we'll be waiting a second, but that's fine. I got so it. what ended up happening was uh, at the time I was like, oh, I want to pick these tracks, but I didn't have a bonus round pick and I was already through my selection of tracks. So rather than play the exact track that was submitted, I found a cover of that track. That's clever. To play. So this submission came from Stephen Miller, and this comes from the game Final Fantasy VI, the game we were just talking about like 10 minutes ago. Um, the decisive battle from Final Fantasy VI composed by Nobuo Uematsu, but it's not the actual track itself. It's a cover of that track done by Super Mad Ness, who I actually got to see at Bitgen last weekend.
Welcome back. You just listened to The Decisive Battle from Final Fantasy VI on the Super Nintendo, originally composed by Nobuo Uematsu, but covered in this instance by the band Super Madness. So when he when Stephen Miller submitted this track, this was an easy go-to because as Solus Sanctuary mentioned in the chat, as one of her favorite Final Fantasy boss themes, I'd up it just a tad bit more and say I think this is my favorite Final Fantasy boss theme. Closest probably being something like Those Who Fight Further or Battle on the Big Bridge. Uh, but this one, I think, ultimately is my number one across the franchise. Uh, I've listened to it the most of any of them. I've listened to it at the gym. I used to listen to it in grade school. Like, this was my bop. And it, you feel the energy when this is playing. Like, you feel that pressure on yeah. your shoulders Especially this was like active time battles. So <laughs> when you know what enemy's about to do, things like, I got to boat up, use haste, quick, quick, someone charge up your bar. Like it, it's perfect. But again, I'm rambling. This isn't my pick. This is Stephen Miller's pick. So let's talk about what he has to say. He goes, hey guys, given the theme, as well as my proclivities for RPGs, I wanted to pick tracks from my most favorite informative soundtracks, which just so happened to be composed by two of the most important VGM composers in the biz. I'll name them both, but talk about the track. He names Chrono Cross's composer Yasunori Mitsuda, uh, but then the track that I chose, of course, was from Final Fantasy VI, Nobuo Uematsu. And about Uematsu, he says, Nobuo Uematsu is the greatest of all time. The GOAT. This is indisputable, in his opinion. <laughs> the man works an SNES sound chip like Mozart on a harpsichord or Beethoven on a piano. The beginning sequence in Final Fantasy VI has a huge amount of top-tier VGM thrown at you right away. What with the intro, the Narsh theme, and the regular battle theme. Capping off this intro, however, is this absolute deep purple-inspired prog rock banger. That is how you soundtrack an intro. Here, here to that. Mm. And every time I hear a person who claims they fought Welk, who was the first boss that this plays for, and could not figure out how to beat them, I smile a little <laughs> on the inside. Because that's the game literally telling you... No, Chris Miller said that to us once. It was Chris Miller who brought that up. Um... That's when the game is literally telling you, hey, this this game is going to be a little different from previous Final Fantasy games in a sense. There's like times you want to time attacks based on this based the on phase the boss is right. in. Yeah, yeah. They don't hit him when he's in his shell. That sort of thing. <laughs> but like, just so Chris Miller knows if he's listening to this, you're not the only person I've heard say they had trouble understanding how to beat Wilk. You're not alone in that, buddy. But it does make me smile when I'm like, ah, it happens to people. Um, but it's it's just so freaking yeah, good. I mean, this this song, I think, is also a masterpiece of the series, of the whole series. Yes. Yeah, and I remember, like, there was that battle on the snow field. It was the very first time in the series, actually, where they were like, hey, uh, for this battle, take all your party members and split them up into multiple mini parties. Mm-hmm. And you have to kind of run through this snow field and fall on different, fight on different fronts. And at the very end of the snow field, you have to fight Kefka when he gets angry at the fact that you took out his army. And this track plays like, oh, it's just Kefka. He's just his miniature sprite. Yeah. <laughs> like he's not even the big version of him yet. He's yeah, just yeah. a little sprite, and he's still like brawling with you. It's like this is a really engaging fight. I'm excited about this. And this is playing in the snow. It's freaking good. It's good. It's really, really. Good. It's but still in that 16-bit world where you have to use your imagination of of these people like running through the snow and battling with monsters and things like that. Because otherwise it's just little sprites on the screen moving around back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. That's the thing. But back in the day though, that's what it, it felt. Felt It wasn't even imagining. It felt like that's what was happening. And it's, it's there's something about 
being in that era, because mm-hmm. even if I play games that came out back then in the present with all of my years of aging experience and whatever, even though I can still feel engaged and enjoy it, it doesn't hit on the same notes as they did when I first played them at that age, at that time, at that level of technology. Right. It's you can't go back. <laughs> but you can't, you can't experience like some of these amazing um, uh, revelations for the first time again. Agreed. Know, like, wow, they could do that, or wow, I didn't know this was possible. And that's the other yeah. thing too. It's like it's amazing. And I'll say this real quick. Like Chris Weisner says that he feels as though Battle of the Four Fiends from Final Fantasy Four is what it, his personal favorite. And I can totally see that because that track is a banger too. Uh, there's, but there's something to be said about the modern age. Like for all the new releases that we're getting, mm-hmm. and how they say, "Look at the graphic change. We got the shading just right here, and there's this cat running around the screen, and all these different things." <laughs> no matter how much more they put into these games, I don't feel like that hook of "Wow, this is so impressive." It doesn't hit that way anymore. Yeah. It's like you've hit the echelon <laughs> of what can be impressive. Well, now everything is just fine tuning. Well, I mean, and and if we're going to talk about like the, the one of some of the greatest classics, and also about Yasunori Matsuda. Um, we're going to go to our next pick from Chris Wisner, our listener Chris Wisner. The wise guy, the, he's in it. The wise guy's in it. He picked from the game Chrono Trigger. This is a uh, from Yasunori Matsuda. This is arranged and performed by the Blake Robinson Synthetic Orchestra. The track is Outskirts of Time.
Okay, you were listening to The Outskirts of Time from Chrono Trigger, composed by Yasunori Matsuda, arranged and performed by the Blake Robinson Synthetic Orchestra. Um, this is chosen by our listener, Chris Wisner. He says, I thought about this week's topic seemingly forever. I combed through endless folders of video game music MP3s dating back to the prehistoric era on my desktop. I flipped through tons of modern VGM vinyl on my shelves. I even booted up a handful of games to see what jumped out at me from the dark ages. And yet, I kept coming back to the name that was on my shortlist from the start, Yasunori Matsuda. Never forget that Mats- uh, Never forget that Matsuda-san threatened to leave Square if they didn't give him a proper chance as a composer after years of being a sound engineer, so they assigned him Chrono Trigger, one of the most beloved games and soundtracks of all time, and it was the man's debut. Mitsuda has no doubt proven himself time and time again since, but for myself and many others, Chrono Trigger will always be the go-to, as its score is a large part of why the game is so memorable. As this is a bonus round submission, I'm picking the Blake Robinson Synthetic Orchestra's arrangement, Outskirts of Time. While many musicians often remix or rearrange a track or two, Blake managed to cover the entire Chrono Trigger's uh, soundtrack plus bonus tracks, a Herculean task sure to make even jolly old seppuku blush. Speckio? Oh, Speckio. Speckio. little freaking puffy purple. Oh, right, 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 right. Specchio Blush. And really, could there be a more perfect song to play as two heroes float off into the sky hanging onto dozens of balloons? Brings tears to my eyes every playthrough till the end of time, dear friends. I need to play this game again. It's been a while. Yes, you do. Because like, I, mean, I, I love it. Cause, like, for a sec, I was like, wait a minute. I just described new. Specchio was the little furry guy. Oh. He did have his arms out, but he was a furry guy, not the purple news. Oh. Uh, I don't remember him. Also, if I remember correctly about this game, Yasunori Mitsuda, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but he worked himself sick doing yes. it. Yeah, and then yeah. Nobuo Yamasa had to come in on the back and to finish it. Yeah, this, but, this, the, the game's engine was originally for Final Fantasy VI, and then they, they split splintered it off, and, and this was a different game. Yeah, because like, but yeah. he, the fact that he worked himself literally ill... <laughs> to make this OST and it turned out to be so good. So good. And and these all these uh orchestrated arrangements of the music is just it brings it to more life, you know. Well, retaining like the music is still feels this good from the game engine, from the from the Super Nintendo itself. Orchestrated, it brings so much of a human element to it that's just makes you feel things. But can you imagine what would have happened if he did work himself sick and then the OST was terrible? Um you know that would have been sad, for sure. You probably <laughs> wouldn't be here talking about it. That would have been a that would have been rough. <laughs> well, for more information on the bonus round, you can go to rhythmandpixels.com, or we'll have links to the artist Sand SoundClouds, Sandcastle, Sandcamp, Sound Sound Camps, Slant Clamps, Sound Sandwiches, Samuel Flanges, <laughs> everywhere where you can uh, get the music, buy the music, stream the music, and of course support these amazing artists. Thanks for joining us on episode 33-9 of Rhythm and Pixels. This is our return to the Masters of VGM. This is um, our your turn <laughs> to to look at to, to tell us who you believe 
are your masters of video game music. They have the power! They have spoken. This last track is from our listener, Alf Person. This is from the game Silent Hill 2, composed by Akira Yamaoka, Alone in the Town. Do you have the uh, t- little testimonial there? But of course. He says, oh man, there's <laughs> so many good composers, but my vote goes to Akira Yamaoka. His Silent Hill 2 soundtrack is extremely solid, atmospherically creepy music mixed with Skandi Papra, but there's also some jazz and metal mixed in there. Two of my favorite tracks are Promise and Alone in the Town, but I'll let you guys decide which is to be played. Well, here you go. Yeah. Alone in the alone Town. Alone in the Town. <laughs> but you're not alone with us because we're all blabbing uh, together. Yeah. I was going to pick a... Uh... No one should pick that. That's a suck. travesty of uh. game music composition. <laughs> Oh man, this is great! So we just great picks all around. All all of these composers, um, truly masters of their craft. You know, uh, we were talking about uh, in the break here that Akira Yamaoka was on my short list of uh, composers. Did you have any uh, on yours? Like, did you want to like kind of honorable mentions? I can barely remember, man. You know, I had to dig. I had to dig deep. It was so stuff. hard. It was so hard to like to just be like, okay, these and not these. Why not these? Not it's just so it's it just took a long time. And a lot of the time, when it comes to this stuff, which is also what makes it a bit of a challenge, is you typically think of the music you like, but you don't always put together who composed it. You're just like, I like the music from that game. Mm-hmm. I like the music from that game. Right. Especially the type of person who's only focused on like the old eight bit stuff. It's like I love Bun Bun. Like who the hell is Bun Bun? <laughs> like, I mean, you know if you look do digging deeper about it or whatever, but. Typically, you don't know who half those composers are because they use a lot of surnames and just like just yeah, fake things to get out there. There's a lot of pseudonames and AKAs, especially in the early days because they didn't want those composers to get poached by other companies or maybe they couldn't fit their whole name in the credits role, you know? So unless there was a, an official soundtrack, often we don't know who did what in the, old, in the olden days. Yeah, it's a trip, man. Mm. But um, anyway, if you have a track suggestion for us or a topic suggestion, anything for a future episode, if you um, if, if you know of a great video game music cover band or remix artist, or if you yourself are one of those artists, we would love to hear about it. And you can send us an email. Rhythmandpixels at hotmail.com. And if you'd like a full track listing of this episode, uh, of all of our episodes, and access to all of our episodes, please go to the website. Rhythmandpixels.com. There's a link to our Discord server at the top of that webpage. So you can click that and... There's a lot of discussion and sharing of music and all sorts of stuff happening on our Discord server. Uh, things like uh, the Summer Games Challenge, which is going on right now. We're all just kind of sharing our progress of the different games that we're playing and, and all that stuff. It's so, been a lot of fun. And believe it or not, there's actually a few people who aren't in the Discord that are just randomly messing me. It's like, oh, I'm on game number seven. Which, <laughs> by the way, the fact that my friend's on number seven. Freaking heck, man. I can't. They're not sleeping. It's what's happening. They just, they've just gotten rid of sleep altogether. Pretty I don't know how they're doing it. Um, you can also check us out on YouTube, youtube.com slash Rhythm and Pixels. You can listen to the show there. We also have a 24-7, 8-bit, and 16-bit radio station playing music. Nothing but 8, 8-bit and 16-bit classics and deep cuts. So it's right there, youtube.com slash Rhythm and Pixels. And if you want to support the show, the best thing you can do is to tell people about it. Uh, tell your friends, tell your family, uh, uh, sh- share it on your social media. Um, you can also uh, hit the subscribe button or the like button, wherever wherever it is you're listening to. That always helps us out. You can also support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash Rhythm and Pixels. Um, there you get access to a monthly live streamed episode like this one uh, where we are recording for you. 
Um, you also get cool stuff like stickers and mugs and t-shirts. So you can get that through Patreon. There's also um, exclusive content um, from older episodes such as like prequels where me and Pernell are just sort of angry at the world and talking about politics for a little while. But also, I just kind of found it funny. We were talking about the whole garbage opening packs thing. I was on whim. But there are actually people who have whole channels devoted to doing nothing but oh, opening, opening packs cards. of cards yeah. and showing what they got. <laughs> so people love that stuff. But, uh, but yeah, so you, uh, our Patreon has all that all that and more. You can check that out there at patreon.com slash rhythmandpixels. All the money um, from our Patreon goes back into the show for hosting, for equipment, um, for honestly, for like hotel expenses from when we go to uh, conventions, so we can kind of share the show with more people, which is well, but what we're going to be doing coming up soon at the end of this month. Um, and we also like to thank all of our Patreon members who are at the highest levels. So we want to th- first thank Brooke. Thank you very, very much. Thank you, Brooke, for your support of our show. Thank you kindly, Friggin. And frankly, Zappa, huge, huge thank you. We were actually talking about Friggin' music the other day and the fact that I'm surprised. He's like, for all he's putting the Monster Hunter, he hasn't hit the um, the Sunbreak quest yet, but he's on his way. Mm. He's on his way. Well, it's incredibly generous, the both of you. Thank you so, so much for supporting our show. Uh, We also want to thank the number one. Number one. Number one. Number one. Thank uh, Kristen, GamePan44, who's in the chat right now. Thank you so much. She's on Game 5. Game number 5. Game 44 is on number 5. <laughs> Crap. Crap. What are we going to do? Um, I thank Mike Myers, The Turianator, Ulf Person, Fashion8060, uh, Alex Messenger from the AVGM Journey, Andreas Milberg, Brian Pitt, Cameron Worma, Carlos, Kung Fu Carlito from the Heroes 3 podcast, a podcast all about uh, Kung Fu movies and other Asian cinema. Uh, thank you, Chris Steenerson. Thank you, Chris Wisner, a.k.a. Musashi219. The wise guy. <laughs> That's coming up. Uh, Christopher Shenstrom. Thank you. Chuck Kowalski. Davy Cakes. David Taylor. Enchilada Brigol. Harold Howard. Triple Jeff. Justin Schneider from XVGM Radio, a fantastic podcast. Keith Shusterman. Martyrus, host of the ReVGM podcast. Dr. Michael Bridgewater. Rage Cage, host of the VGM Porium podcast. Reinhardt Zelkova, Sleepy S'more, Steve Miller, Taco, Ed Wilson, host of the VG Embassy, and Zach Thornbach. Thank you all so, so much. Thank all of you and many, many more for supporting our show uh, every month. It means, it means a whole lot to us. We really do appreciate it. It's, Absolutely. Cannot emphasize that. <laughs> you know, I was uh, editing uh, our show from last week. It was pretty funny. I really enjoyed it. I don't know. We were just goofing. For like the first 10 minutes really yeah it's really good I so boot that up so yeah if, if you're new to the show um if you listen to this this far um check out last week's show man it was really it was all about sonic handhelds 33-8 it was a lot of fun and a lot of great music too so topic out. idea oh just had a <laughs> brainstorm just had a brainstorm we need game pairings our game hero pairings hero not pairings. like not like uh we did the the love characters before I'm talking like team ups because I was thinking about Sonic oh, Advance okay. Three, yeah, how yeah. the different Sonic characters before them, like super teams. Mm. How about we just take characters from different games and how they, well they work together? Oh, I like that. Yeah, yeah. Combine the franchises. And yeah, super, super damn. Yeah, like how Jimmy and Billy Lee. Like, what if they were with the Battletoads? That'd be pretty good. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> got me thinking like, what if Billy and Jimmy, Billy Lee teamed up with uh, Cunio? Yeah, what if Cunio worked? Yeah, yeah, with Billy and Jimmy Lee. <laughs> God, but I could I could go on for days with this. Well, oh, that's a top. Tails, Sonic, 
with Billy and Jimmy Lee from Double Dragon. <laughs> what do you say? What do you say? No, 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 no. no. The entire... <laughs> The entire Justice League the teams enti- up with Billy and Jimmy Lee. <laughs> the entire Los Angeles Raiders lineup from the 1999 John Madden teamed up with Billy and Jimmy Lee from, <laughs> from Double, Double Dragon. Dragon. <laughs> that would be a Super Nintendo epic. Um, I, I, well, I, I can go on. I'm <laughs> about gonna, Billy and Jimmy Lee. I'm going to lay in bed and my wife's going to be like, stop it, I need to sleep. <laughs> what about Sudafed <laughs> teams up Billy and Jimmy Lee? Procter and Gamble <laughs> teams up with Billy and Jimmy yeah, yeah. The whole the whole company. Thank you all so much for listening to our show. Thank you all so much for supporting our show. It means a whole lot to us. Um, we'll see you next week. My name is Rob Nichols, and I'm Pernell. Have a great week. And remember, you know, Masses of EGM has been a lot of fun. It was great to kind of dig deep and come up with uh, who was the top dog, so to speak, of the VG the VGM verse. Uh, though. You might have been listening to these episodes, whether on our show or some of the other VGM podcasts, and been finding yourself wondering, but what about my guy? This guy is really good, and he deserves kudos, too. Well, the thing about it is, anyone's a VGM great if you can justify it, you know. If you love a composer, if you love their work, then guess what? They are technically a VGM great. Doesn't have to be on a, a come to a vote. It doesn't have to be proven to a bunch of people you don't know. It literally is just, if you like it, you love it, you appreciate it, then that makes it great. And that's all that matters. What's important, the most important part of that is just having fun talking about it and sharing your love with other people. That's really it. And that's kind of what we love doing here anyway. So tell your friends who you like and why. And enjoy yourself. Tell your friends. (laughs) (laughs) Click like and subscribe. Smash that like and subscribe button. Smash it all.